Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the Full 40 with Chris and Rob, part of the Stay Tuned Network, brought to you by Nova Insider. We have a very special edition of the podcast today. I am going to do the spoiler now. At the back half of this podcast, we will be joined by the State of the Nova Nation pod, Emma Houghton and Patrick Zhang, who will be joining us, and we will be doing a Big East schedule pick'em challenge, the full 40 versus San Pod. It's going to be great, so stay tuned until the back half of the pod for that. Now, it's, And at least it's going to be better than whatever the fuck we watched on Sunday, that's for sure. It's a good segue, Rob, but before we do that, we gotta, I got to ask, what are you drinking? I am drinking. I didn't make it out to the alcohol store to get anything new. So I'm back. I also didn't make it to the grocery store to get any ice. So I am back drinking Woodford Reserve and a splash of water. So Woodford Reserve still waiting on that check. Send it over. What do you got? It's the holiday season and I am drinking, it's almost empty already. Um, I was going to say, it looked like there's nothing in there. I am drinking um, hot chocolate with peppermint schnapps. So, okay. All right. I feel so, like you're, you're doing a lot, lot better than me on the thematic drinks i just seem to be stuck in a rut here yeah back half of the pod though i will be switching to whiskey and may keep drinking that until i fall asleep because i'm still hung over from the baylor game and not because i was drinking during it but just because it was so horrible um so i think we just have to dive right in to that right now do do we do we really i no. unfortunately we do so it's really really sad we got our shit kicked in 57 to 36, I think is the final score, which is painful to say. That wasn't a halftime? Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. As my sister said once to me, she goes, oh, it looked like Villanova forgot. Yes. <laughs> and, and that's actually a really good summary. Like, yes. Villanova forgot to play on this game. They forgot to sh- how to shoot the ball. They forgot how to – well, they defended very well, actually. Actually, we did. We did, yeah. One, one silver lining. Absolutely. Um, but But – all that being said, this game was a shit show from the beginning. Yes. And so let's just give a little bit of compliment before we go into all of our problems, of which there are many. Let's give a little bit of a compliment to Baylor because yeah. I thought Baylor was fantastic this yeah. game. I did think that they got a little bit, even though I think they had more fouls on them than they did on us, I think that they still got a friendly whistle. I think that they were playing hyper physical basketball but neither here nor there that's not the refs weren't a deciding factor in this game or anything like that i'm not suggesting that but (laughs) their defense was absolutely incredible and i honestly cannot remember and the score reflects it i cannot remember in the jay wright era watching villanova play a team that defended us so effectively and we were so lost in the game yeah it was Terrible, terrible to watch the, and I'm with you hats off to, to Scott drew. He absolutely had that team ready to go from the tip off and they did not let up. 
We tried to make a couple comebacks. We tried to make a couple runs, missed a couple shots that maybe could have swung some of the momentum. But that Baylor team was there. They were ready to play the full 40 minutes. We were ready to play zero minutes. It was an absolute mess. The only other, to answer your question, the only other time I can remember being similarly so frustrated was I think the first time we played UVA at UVA in what was that? Must have been 20. That was a 2015, 2016 yeah. team. Yeah. And we couldn't get anything going. We were constantly like 12 points down and a- like absolutely flummoxed. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't score 36 points bad. And we were still, still kind of were in that game at the end. And unfortunately, we were not in this. I was utterly frustrated, but I will say it was one of those games that you got midway through the second half and you just kind of said, well, fuck it. Like this is, this is not happening. So it gave me a little bit of breathing room to kind of digest it uh, before I threw a a remote through the TV. But anyway, (laughs) here we are. Luckily the TV survived. So, so I think that's enough complimenting Baylor. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. I think we got to die. Look, I'm not going to sit here and break down X's and O's. I want to talk about some thematic things Um, where I'm going to start is that is that we cannot have a game in which like every player is that timid. The only players who weren't timid was like Colin. He was trying to create his own shot. He's not, that's not his game. It's not his game. Um, but like Jermaine Samuels can't be like a Frady cat in the lane. He can't be like absolutely just scared of his own shadow, seeing ghosts the entire time. Justin Moore has talked all preseason about being a killer. And where was that? I didn't see any of that yesterday. I mean, like, I would say he probably attempted the second most to Colin, which is kind of common in his role, but like he was timid. Brandon Slater, I know you got to talk about Slater, yeah. um, but, but I thought he was like, I mean, what you, you can't look around and say any player was particularly good in this game, but like, yeah. like Jermaine and Jermaine Samuels and Brandon Slater, have to be aggressive that has to be the game they have to slash they have to get in there they have to play physical they have to play bully ball they have to do all those things and they got outmatched at every single level and especially guys that we're talking about colin colin aside like he was just flummoxed but what we saw from jermaine he has to has to be better for a fifth year senior he's been through all of this He's seen literally everything thrown at him. He's seen the top defenses of the country come at him. He cannot be that confused when he gets in the lane. He's got to make better decisions. This was utterly, utterly frustrating to me. The Slater thing, the Slater thing to me is huge. This is a, this is very much becoming a narrative, put it in my narrative category. I almost brought it up last week, but I held off because I said, you know what? I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I want to see what happens this week. This one absolutely goes in that bucket. Brandon Slater got a lot of hype coming into this season. We did some of our own hyping of Brandon Slater. If you look at him physically, you say, hey, look, he looks ready to play. He, I think he probably has the most uh, shack fit man plays of the week this year. Um, and he started off strong, beating up on some nobodies. And he actually had a decent game against UCLA too. But since then, he hasn't come to play against the top competition. If you look at his stat lines against our tough games recently, 
he hasn't been what you need him to be. And I'm not asking him to be the top player. I'm not expecting him to replace Colin. I'm expecting him to be the third scorer and somewhat reliable. I'm expecting him to be the change of pace guy when things aren't going right for Colin or when they're not going right for Justin. And unfortunately, he hasn't been able to do that. And this team falls down when he's not a regular contributor because we just run out of players who are contributing. And I actually, this is one of the other things I want to talk about. This lack of change of pace, this lack of being able to do anything differently within the team, I think is going to be a real detriment to us. We've rolled out the same offense now for you know, five years, which like, Hey, it was, it was novel five years ago. It's not now the personnel are different. I don't think they're, you know, quite as effective as, you know, obviously three years ago, four years ago, whatever it may be. So I don't know, we can get into that now. We can get into that later, but yeah, Slater's um, Slater's a guy I'm dogging him a little bit at this point. Yeah. Look, I'm willing to write off Slater as a little bit of a slump only because I liked how he came on with his aggressiveness at the end of last year, but it is concerning. Last year, we're a third of the way through the season. That's ridiculous. Hold on. Last year, and then in the beginning part of this season, I thought he had it. I think he's in a little bit of a slump right now. I think he'll work it out. I'm giving him a little bit. I'm not ready to put it to narrative status. I don't disagree with what you said, but I think that he, like, I'm not willing to put it in narrative status yet. I think that's a fair place to be. The the reality of the situation is, your point is right. We need a guy who's going to change the pace. We need a guy who's going to bring a different look. The look of, the look of, you know, shuttle it around the three-point line and take the best shot you can doesn't work when we can't be effective at any level of the offense. Like, you know, there's no like breaking anybody down, catching a piece of the paint, taking a, you know, taking a, um, taking a jumper from, um, from the elbow, um, you know, getting, getting it down low, running an alley-oop play, get, you know, setting picks to make a drive. There was none of that in the Baylor game. And even if when there was, there was every, we missed every inside look that we possibly could. So it was, it was, it was horrible at every level. I mean, there's not a way you can come away from the offensive side of this game with any positives, but I, I I'm just saying that I, I'm not a hundred percent there on the Slater overhype thing only because he's allowed to have a slump. And unfortunately I think he's taking a slump at a bad time of the season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we like... will see how he plays through the big East play, which is now going to be a much more challenging test than what we originally thought it would be. Um, now, the Samuels thing, though, absolutely is is now has to be like it should have. I mean, it, it's been a narrative for him his entire career yeah. of just like absence and and timidness and not willing to do it. And then he has games where it's like he attacks and it's just total different game. And where is it? Where is Jermaine Samuels? And also the other thing I'll say about Jermaine, I don't know like what's going on there, but like he used to play above the rim. And yeah. I haven't seen his above the rim play at all this year. And I don't know what that is or why that is. Is it just, is it just the, 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 the teams that we're playing, whatever it may be, but I expect Jermaine above the rim. He needs to attack guys. Like yeah. one, of his, one of my favorite highlights is that game against Creighton where he just went straight up and just absolutely bodied some guy like against Creighton. That was like a couple of years back. Like I expect that from Jermaine Samuels and he's a fifth year senior there cannot be like there cannot be a like an, a timid game like it's okay if he shoots poorly like he did against Syracuse I'd be like okay I can accept that he shot poorly like 
like you can argue that that you shouldn't even accept that but like i can accept that like sometimes guys miss right like that happens but you can't have a game where you're timid you where you only put up a couple shots like that's not that's absolutely unacceptable and he had plenty of opportunities he was seeing ghost the entire time he was open under the basket got a rebound and didn't go up with it where he pump faked and then like weakly passed out to somebody with no zip on the pass whatsoever so they did not have enough time to get their feet set and shoot a jumper like he can't play that way he's like playing like he's afraid of making a mistake and i'm sorry i could expect that of a freshman or a sophomore a 50-year senior absolutely no shot yeah no totally the the hesitancy under the room under the rim is crazy I thought we had gotten that out of our system a few years ago, but somehow it seems to be a little bit back at this point. We just collectively look like Antonio Pena used to play under the rim, which is, I have no idea what's going on. I'm just going to turn the ball over and hope somebody else can, can deal with the outcome of it. So we definitely need to work that out of our system. It was and then there really, was a, really a period time. where I think in the beginning of the game where Jay was like, oh, let me try. And in the beginning of the second half too, where Jay was like, I'm going to try and work the offense and start it through Dixon. And I'm like, Okay. <laughs> but, but, you know, I like Eric as much as I, I like Eric and I love the jump that he's made, but, but I don't understand that decision at all. Like, obviously they were, I, you could argue, okay, they're just playing out on our three point guys. So the more we get it inside, you could collapse the defense down a little bit more, but I think we had to do that through other means. There was no back down, the Baylor guys with, you know, from the guard position into the post. So we weren't even, I know Which, your point about, about like different looks. We didn't even execute our different looks. We're two, one note. Yeah. We're one note. It's like, we run our offense. Like, again, this is the point I started to make earlier. And look, I'm not an X's and O guy. I'm not going to pretend to be, but I know the basics of like our offense. I've actually watched some videos on it. And like, look, it was a revolutionary thing. We rolled it out five, six year, plus years ago, right? Like people know what we run at this point. And I have to, I, I get the impression that we come out, we roll out the same offense. Is it working? Great. Okay. Are we playing against inferior athletes? Great. We got this. Are we playing against guys who just aren't as good? Sure. We got this. But I don't know. Now when we don't have necessarily superior athletes or just don't have superior talented basketball players, People know what we're running. And if they come out ready to play and we're not, I don't know, not making the adjustments, we're not offering different looks, we're going to end up in a situation like this. We yeah. had three chances, we had three chances to win big games at the start of this year. And we went 0-3 on all those chances. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I want to you know, like, I don't know. I'm going to jump off of that point here. I, I, we talked about this on our on our Slack group, and I was like a little bit like here and there about like that point like I get your point about like look run the same look but there's something to be said for consistency uh, of of execution and so you know I I think the personnel is a bigger issue but I want to get into the personnel part of it so that's kind of where I'm going to jump off of that with yeah look your your point is exactly right we had three opportunities to pick up one marquee win to go into the conference schedule with and we went oh for three to make matters worse, which is a topic narrative that we brought up on this podcast before. It's one thing if you did that and played your younger guys who can maybe give you a, young, a look, give you the opportunity to um, expand your bench, expand your depth, et cetera, 
to, to establish a baseline for them so that they could say, Hey, this is what real basketball teams look mm-hmm. like. And mm-hmm. you're not it like, yep. and like even five, 10 minutes of burn. We didn't have that. We don't get that benefit from, 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 from doing that because we didn't do it. So we rolled out win or die strategy, right? Like, and, and we went over three. So I could have gone over three coaching this team against those, against, against those players. Like, like, I, like, look, obviously, it's obviously a bit yeah. facetious, right? Yeah. But like, but like, we needed to establish a bench. Jay said it from the beginning of the season. I need to, like, this season's going to depend on how good our depth can be. Well, we're, we're it's, it's now not. a lot of games in, 10 games in, and there is no additional depth other than bringing back another fifth year senior. And Brian Antoine did suit up yesterday, which that is a, yeah. that is a very that, positive. That is, that is actually very positive. That is a very positive development. But, yeah. but Chris Archie Diacono is not the answer. Like, Jay's like running him out. Like, I don't know. I mean, did, did he play like 10 minutes in that game? 15 yeah, minutes something in that like game? that, whatever. I mean, wh- that, that's, that's, the, that's the response. Like, I, I, that just can't be the response. That can't be it. There's nothing against Chris. He plays his heart out. plays hard. Yeah. He, plays, he plays the game how Jay wants him to play the game. And for that, he gets minutes. I can expect that. But, like, you can't tell me that, like, Longino and Patterson and Njoku couldn't have added a thing if they had gotten the experience early. Now you could argue game two. Okay, game two, that's fine or whatever. But by the Purdue game, you gotta be playing some of these guys. Like, I'm sorry, but like, I go back to this depth thing. I go back to this thematic issue that we've been talking about on the podcast since the beginning of the season. And I just look at this and say, well, if you were going to not play the bench, at least pick up a win or two in the, against this gauntlet, if you didn't do that, then I just wish I would, if I could go in a time machine, I wish I could put these guys in for five, 10 minutes because I feel like that would help their development. Yeah. Um, now, now the other thing that keeps getting said, oh, Jay doesn't trust the guys and Jay is not going to play the guys if he doesn't trust them. Alan Ray came on the podcast and he made that point beautifully. And I respect that point. And I completely understand that that is what is happening behind the scenes. I get that. However, you can't tell me that Jay trusted Jermaine Samuels in his freshman year in the 2018 team when he had six of the best athletes that you've ever seen play in this program um, and a team that absolutely blew out the doors off of everybody. And there was Jay early in the season giving Jermaine sig- like not significant, but decent experience minutes. And I'm not talking about Colin because you could argue yeah. Colin from day one played Villanova basketball and got it and whatever he was Archie Diakono's younger brother he never had and Demir Cosby Rounchi provided a positional difference maker that we didn't have with Spellman you needed to spell him in the whole nine yard I'm picking out and singling out Jermaine Samuels who was who was very redundant on the 18 squad and he did not and he still played until he broke his hand I believe it was his hand that he broke against DePaul, if I'm not mistaken, that year early on. He played, and he looked bad, like just to be completely clean. It was candid. terrible. He looked bad. I remember joking about I remember just being like, Jermaine, wow, this kid, I don't know. He's going to – he'll get it together because Jay's a great coach, and obviously he ended up doing so um, to a degree, uh, to a large degree. Um, but, like, you know, he played significant freshman minutes on that 18-team 18 18 team. So I don't necessarily want to hear 
the trust argument, to me, it's actually more an argument of trust on the starters. I don't think Jay trusts the starters enough to put in a freshman with them to hide the deficiencies that come with putting a freshman on the floor. Yeah, and I think that's that's a fine point, and I think it's probably a fair point too. But kind of push comes to shove when if you don't trust, if you're saying you don't trust your starting five and you don't trust the seniors on there, implicit in there is saying that they're not good enough. And then corollary, I will probably need something else or something different at some point in the season to go deep into March. Well, unfortunately, I'm not going to get something different or something additional by playing Chris Archidiacono and playing Dada because Dada and Chris Arch call it what it is. They're game managers. They are basically brought in to continue, basically hold status quo, let the starting five, get a lead, hold it. These guys won't screw it up. Give us a breather. They're not, going to, point. The, they're not going to be the difference in March. The people no. who might be a difference in March are guys like Jordan Longino, guys like Trey Patterson, guys like Brian Antoine, you know, ideally when he comes back from injury, just because they give you ideally something different that you can key off of and potentially run something different in your offense and just give the opponent's defense a little bit of a different look and something to deal with. Because like Chris Arch and Dada aren't doing that. No. And it's, I'm just, I'm just look, frustrated. Look, I'm frustrated. I think that's a really well-articulated point in that Chris Archidiacono is not adding value beyond He's just not losing value. He's 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 like a raise the he's, floor. He's Trent. He's Trent Dilfer. He's Trent yeah. Dilfer on the 2000 Ravens. Yeah. Jay has Jay has made the decision to raise the floor of this team, as opposed to work on improving or raising the ceiling on this team. Yes. And so that's 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 it. Jay, that's that's been Jay's. That's what Jay's been doing through this rotation in this season so far. And so at this point, like. I've heard like, oh, well, Jay's now got to figure out how to get these freshmen in. I, I, I'm not expecting Jay to get the freshmen in. Are you? Absolutely not. No chance. Yeah. One of our friends like, oh, he's going to work the freshmen in and Biggie's I'm like, you kidding me? Yeah. You, Against which team? Managed, yeah. Have you watched how team? Creighton, who's like a million and one. Seton Hall, who's like a million and one. Um, you know, Marquette, who beat Illinois. Um, you know, which, which, which team exactly in the Big East are you going to work them in against? Because I'm not seeing that DePaul is eight and one, or yeah. nine and one, or whatever the hell it is. It'd be Louisville. So like, who who in the Big East are you working them against? Yeah, it, at some point, some of Jay's philosophies are going to come into conflict with one another, and they're coming into conflict with one another right about now. Because we always want to win the Big East. We always want to win every. We always want to win every game of the preseason. We always want to you know win the Big East tournament. Oh, if we want to develop players that like. It's just not all going to mesh at this point. No. Something's something's going to have to give. Now, that being said, I don't want to overreact to one game. I'm overreacting to three games. I agree with you. I agree. I'm not going to, I don't think we're going to be like a 36 point scoring team or whatever. Our off offense no, has, no, has of all course. of a sudden gone bad. We got beat by a team who was played harder than us. Very well coached team. Very well coached, you know, national champions, like, they're now the one they're now the best team in the country uh, via the AP and Ken Palm. 
Um, so they are an excellent, excellent squad as we led off with. So I don't think this is a, this is not necessarily the end. I'm not sitting here panicking the end of the world. Like we're still going to win most of the games, probably are going to win the Big East. Like I'm not too worried about the long range outcome of like the Big East, but in terms of like, what could have given you the opportunity in this part of the season to work in different players, to get different looks, to raise the ceiling on this team come March. I don't think we did that. I think we, I think we failed this test. Um, well, t- a test that we did not fail though is defense. And so credit when credit's due, and this will come in handy. Our Ken Palm defense, I believe I looked after last night, jumped to like 22 because Baylor was one of the best offensive teams in the country and we held them to 57. Now there were some missed open looks, but there's always going to be some missed open looks. I thought our defense was tenacious. So they say defense travels, even if your offense doesn't, right? Like, and it did, like we did hold Baylor to 57 and there was definitely opportunities where that game could have gotten even blown wider open and credit when credit's due to our guys, they locked in as hard as they could on the defensive end and gave them a hard time. So I will give credit when credit's due on the defensive effort. And I do think we did say early in the season, one of the narratives on this team could be defense with a Ken Palm defense of better than 30. I do think at this point now you can say that concern is a little bit assuaged for the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. If you would have told me before the game, Hey, you hold Baylor at 57, I would have said, sign me up every single time. Yeah. I would have said we won the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, now, yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm, I, I do want to hit on one more thing. So yeah. this came yeah, up yeah. And this came up on Twitter and I have to hit this point. This scheduling thing that, that all of a sudden I'm now getting all these tweets at me and like, and I'm seeing on Twitter, like fans going on rants that, Oh, what was Jay thinking, putting the schedule together? Like our, our guy's confidence is totally shot. They're like, it's just so bad. This is, this is now, now we're going into big East play and our guys are totally toast and they're mentally out of it and blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. That's absolute fucking bullshit. That's the worst point that I think I've ever heard a fan make. You can't, and first off, every single Villanova fan going into the season was like, yeah, what a great schedule. This is awesome, Absolutely. whatever. So you can't Absolutely. then look at the results and say, oh, no, no, no. I didn't mean that. What the hell was Jay thinking? That is Monday morning quarterbacking totally. to like the nth degree that I've ever heard. That is crazy town. Like, no, I am glad we played Baylor, even if we got exposed. Like, it wasn't a great game. There's an element. There's two things that you can do. You could you can write off an element of how bad it was because there's an element of that's like a little bit nuts, but you also can look at and get a ton of game film as to how good Baylor was to figure out what we can do better. Same goes for Purdue, who was a totally different look and feel from Baylor. Same thing goes for UCLA, who was a totally different look and feel from the other two. So we got a lot of good looks against elite competition. That's game film that will be on tape for the rest of the season jay will benefit this will benefit the team for having played those games yeah i was gonna say i'll just round it out real quick and then we can move along come march ideally you know the rankings will shake out a little bit people will move around but baylor purdue and ucla are likely going to stay right in the top 10 so knowing that we've already played three of the top 10 teams and what may end up being three of the top five teams in the country should give you a lot of insight 
And even though you came away with a loss, like a little bit more confidence, knowing kind of what to expect going into those games. So it's ultimately going to pay dividends. You kind of made this point earlier. If we come out of that with one win, it's a totally different talk track, right? We didn't obviously, but you know, don't let one plus or minus kind of change things on that. The schedule was a good schedule. If we didn't step up, ideally we step up the rest of the season. So awards. <laughs> there are none. There are there are none. There's We're literally no, not giving an award. I'm not no, giving it. There's you can't give a Shaq Fit Man play of the week. No. There was none. No. Uh the alpha, alpha dog, dog. Absolutely not. None. Absolutely no, not. No one gets the there alpha were no al- there were there were no alpha dogs on that floor. Yes. There were not. I will say, since there has to be an alpha dog of the week, that we gave it to Daniels last week. So I'll give him the I'll let him retain his alpha dog status. He can he can continue holding. He can continue it. it because I did think he was one of the only players who played it, with any yeah. fucking sense of aggression in that game. Yeah, so right. I'll give him a little bit of credit there. And I appreciate that he's come back from being sick yeah. and actually contributed pretty well over the last yeah. couple of games. So totally. that's it. That's it. And then the pass the fucking ball award of the week can go to Gerald. It's got to go to Gerald. Gerald Wright. <laughs> I, I'm giving it to Gerald. I think this one's on him. I don't think he had this. I don't think, I don't think he was prepared for what Scott Drew threw at him as prepared as he was last March when we lost to Baylor was a phenomenal coaching job by Jay Wright pulled everything out of his ass and almost got us a win. This was just, he didn't have the team ready. That's all. Yeah, they weren't ready. They did not look ready for the speed and the quickness defensively that Baylor brought. Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Woof. All right. We got a couple minutes left to uh, do we want to do a quick Creighton preview? Uh, oh God, yeah. We have so much, so much we wanted to cover, but we have so little time since we actually have to go to this other thing. So let's do a quick Creighton preview. Uh, we're playing Creighton this week. Hot or not, they're pretty hot. They're uh, they're eight and one. They've got a nice win over BYU already. They're not quite ranked, um, you know, just on the outside of the rankings, not one of our four biggies teams in the top 25 this week. Um, but ideally they will be soon playing them. We're playing them. What in, in Nebraska, I think. Yes. It's a tough way to start uh, biggies. Omaha. 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 Now what's interesting about this Creighton team, they lost a lot. They had a great team last year. They lost a lot of players. So it's a pretty new team. Um, a couple of their best guys are, are new faces. Hawkins is actually a D2 transfer. He's their leading scorer. And then Ryan Nemhard is a freshman. So the two of them are probably the two names that you want to keep, uh, keep an eye on. And of course, keep an eye on Mr. Greg McDermott, longtime coach there and has been a longtime Biggie's loyalist. So a little bit of a hat tip to him. How are you feeling about this one, Chris? So it's interesting. I have oscillated back and forth the games away which i don't love um you know i don't love i don't love away games versus creighton creighton is so good in in um century link that that like you know i almost picked an l but because of how baylor went i'm picking a win i don't think i think our team i think creighton is unfortunately for them getting villanova with like five four days of preparation and like really fucking heated off of a really bad performance in our first game of Big East conference play. I think we're going to walk in and be on 
just like absolute intensity fire. And I think we're going to, I think we're going to do a pretty good job on them. As far as Creighton teams go, um, they are 76th in Ken Palm defense, which is like pretty good for them. Actually, they're never a good defensive team. They've always been so the defensive, you know, things is like, you know, that's actually one of their better features. And they're another team that they're another team that McDermott has shooting the three ball well and all that. So I really, I, I, I they do have the opportunity to beat us. I still don't think it's going to happen. I think the more likely result is that um, we get a renewed sense of confidence coming out of these guys. Colin doesn't let us lose more plays aggressively. You know, these guys have a fire lit under their ass. And I think we win by like 10. I'll go with 72 to 62. Okay. All right. 72 to 62. That's uh that would be pretty nice in century long. I think it's gonna be. I'm actually calling, and we'll get into this a little bit on our preview as well, too. Um, I'm thinking the Villanova swoon continues a little mm. bit. Mm. And unfortunately, we pick up another loss in a row, which we were fortunate. We didn't drop too far down the rankings this week, ranked number nine. I think we pick up a, a close loss, call it um, 76 72 at CenturyLink, and we'll probably drop down the rankings. I'm guessing we maybe start the next week at maybe 15 or 16 or something like that. So a little bit of a tumble for the cats in my mind. Hopefully that doesn't come to fruition, but I guess we shall see. All right, then there we go. There you have it. Xavier, let's get that done real quick. Xavier, um, Xavier back in the rankings this year. Um, pretty exciting for Travis Steele and the boys out in Ohio, actually just coming off their classic rivalry win against Cincinnati. So as a shootout, zip across town shootout, yeah, zip literally, up. literally with guns. Um, a lot of the time it seems anyway, they're ranked number 22 in the AP this week. So kudos to them. Stark contrast to Creighton, who basically didn't return anybody. This Xavier team returns basically everybody else, uh, basically everybody from their um, from their team last year. Who, if you recall correctly, they were actually you know talked about as kind of like an outside bubble team, yada yada yada. Um, so anyway, they seem to have the ship back on. They seem to be going pretty well. Um, number of players that you want to keep an eye on here. Paul Scruggs is the one guy who I, I feel like he's Xavier's equivalent to like Ryan Archidiacono or in, in more recently Colin Gillespie, where people are like, he seems like he's been around forever. I feel like we've been calling Paul Scruggs' name for a decade and a half, but he's still around. He's still playing 30 plus minutes a game. He's obviously one of the guys that you need to watch. Currently, the leading scorer on the team is Nate Johnson. <clears throat> also been with the program for a few years um, and then they have their actual leading scorer Zach Fremantle I believe he is kind of working his way back from injury at this point he had um, uh, had surgery earlier this year and is coming back so anyway a lot of weapons on the Xavier team should be an interesting one back at home for the Cats which is a plus in my mind hopefully they write that ship I think they probably pick up the W though even though Xavier is going to give them a hard time I agree. Xavier will give him a hard time. And Xavier has quite the, uh, Xavier has quite the resume built up with wins against uh, Ohio state and Cincinnati. Uh, so they've, they're, as you said, they're in the crosstown shootout, but they also have 
won all their Ohio games. Um, but sure. the unfortunate thing for Creighton is that they are playing at the Finneran Pavilion. Uh, not for Creighton, for Xavier. I, I meant to say Xavier. The unfortunate thing for Xavier is they are playing this game at Finneran Pavilion. If this game had been at um, at Cintas Center, I could see this going a different way. Um, Xavier's hot. That's a tough environment. But uh, Creighton actually has to play two more games before they even get to us. They're playing, I believe, Wednesday, Saturday or something like that before they play us. I don't, I don't like them to be fully prepared. I like, I like Villanova to be very prepared um, after playing on Friday versus Creighton, getting back home, taking a couple finals and, uh, and getting, and getting prepared for the game. I, I, I like the fact um, that we're home. I think that it'll be helpful to have friendly confines. I think we shoot well. And I actually think this is going to be like a, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see this be like a, 80 to 65 win like i think we're gonna be i think it's gonna be close early but i think we're gonna pull away well hopefully your big win prediction is better than my big win prediction against baylor which wow was i mean that was that was that's a big miss if you were if you recall last podcast i said there was a chance we blow out baylor that may be one of the worst calls i've made on this (laughs) podcast and i've made some pretty bad calls i uh i i had us at an eight eight point win there. So I was also very wrong. I had the final score of their final score of 61. So they had 57. So it was pretty close there, That's pretty but good. I missed um, our score by like 33. <laughs> so I missed our score by like a half of basketball. So, uh, it's phenomenal. Uh, or in Villanova's case, a full game of basketball. Yeah, that's right. Oh, all right. Yikes. Well, Yikes. that wraps up this part of the podcast. After a short break, we will be, Back with the State of the Nova Nation podcast, Emma Houghton and Patrick Zhang, a joint podcast. We are doing the Full 40 for SonPod Challenge or SonPod versus the Full 40 Challenge, whatever you want to call it. Get excited. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. 